Hey guys, this book was recommended by a fan of ours. So if you would like to recommend us a book to review, go to our website, whatyouwilllearn.com and fill out the survey. Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Adam Jones. We're getting into today a, a very spiritual book for very our second spiritual. episode of the season, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which is <laughs> Tolle, I think. I don't know. Is it Tolle, Tolle, Tolle? Tolle, yeah. I'm a, he's German, I think. <laughs> is he? So, is it, it's either Tolle or Tolle or... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but we'll it's... call a, him Eckhart. <laughs> Ecky. <laughs> Maybe not Ecky. <laughs> It's a name for something, man. But a guide to spiritual enlightenment. Mate, this is spiritual. So we did uh, The Untethered Soul last season. And so we actually had... This is a recommendation, this one, from Jack Harley. And he said that this book uh, sort of has impacted him and his sister far more than any book. He loved the bit about surrendering um, to the present moment, which we'll obviously dive into. But if anyone's looking to recommend a book for this season, whatyouwillearn.com slash survey, and you can chuck us a, a book recommendation. Yep, so thank you. So... Mate, are you feeling more enlightened now? Uh, I actually am, yeah. While I was reading, I, was, mate, I wasn't in the now when I was reading. I was off and drifting off a bit, but once I went back and reviewed it a second time, I feel like I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's some, um, yeah, it's a lot of deep stuff contained in just words. And... I'm, yeah, I'm not yet enlightened, I'm not yet awake, but I'm, the seed's been planted, so yeah. I think it'll... We'll see where the seed might, goes. Might, yeah. The seed <laughs> might just die out. <laughs> Scene might, might become a fantastic forest. So wait and see, mate. So the introduction at the start. So Eckhart told Eckhart was uh, he was heavily depressed. Like before he became yeah. this super chill dude, he was at the point where he was questioning himself: What is the point in continuing and living in this misery to carry on with this struggle? So his desire for non-existence was becoming stronger than his desire to live. So he was he'd given up on life, mate. He said for his first thirty years. He lived in a state of almost continuous anxiety interspersed with periods of suicidal depression. Mm. So that's pretty intense. And then he, he got to the point, he, he, was, he kept saying to himself, I cannot live with myself any longer. And then he thought, what do you mean I cannot live with myself? Is there two? Is there an I and there's a self? Is there two people here? And mm. he seemed to just what, think about this. And then he just like got smashed by this energy of like, Something. and he just had five months of just continuous bliss yeah where he's fully conscious there was no more thoughts in his mind mm. <laughs> so, so yeah and so he got so he got smashed by this realization passed yeah. out on the ground and then <laughs> when he woke up he looked at the light coming through this the, the curtain and thought there's you know infinitely more light out there that he just hasn't been realizing yeah. the whole time and yeah as you were saying he he had a long time where he had no social identify or no identity really so he had yeah. no job no home no friends. So he said he spent more than two years sitting on park benches in a state of the innermost joy. So, you know, you might be homeless people around him, like, like struggling with life. And then you'll just see Eckhart just, just chilling there and homeless. But <laughs> Man, he said he used to, like, see in his mind, he'd see a diamond that was, like, chirping bird bird chirps and, like, he was yeah. just... He was in absolute bliss. So people would ask him, you know, I want what you have. Mm. And basically he says this is the answer of what he got through that yep. moment of realization or enlightenment is the answers that are held in this book, The Power of Now. Yeah. And he says that he's going to try and tell us stuff, but he's saying he can't tell us any spiritual truth that we don't deeply know within ourselves already. So it's sort of just like 
He's just opening our eyes to what we already know. And a profound transformation is possible in reading this. It's not a future possibility, but it is available right now to everybody, no matter where you are. Nice. There's 10 chapters. We're going to probably focus on four or five, depending on how the time goes. Pick out a few of the best things. He starts off chapter one, You Are Not Your Mind, with a story of a beggar sitting on the side of the road. A stranger walks past and he says, the beggar says, can you spare some change? But the 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 guy walking past says, I've nothing to give you. And then he asks the, the beggar, what, what are you sitting on? And the beggar said, oh, just this box. I've been sitting here for as long as I can remember, 30 years. And the guy asks if he's ever looked inside that box, but the beggar said, no, what's the point? There's nothing in there for me. But then when he looked inside, he was sitting on a, a pile of gold. Yeah. And so that's, uh, what does that mean? That's a phenomenal story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah, we've all got this, this what Eckhart says, we've all got this, uh, absolute gold inside of us and yeah. this intense joy and things like that but we never look inside we're always looking mm. outside for these we're always asking external things to give us that that joy so Eckhart in that analogy is the guy asking us or the reader or the listener to look inside for yourself and then yeah. there might be a, a, a tax lotto ticket already there that you've you've never realized you've always had yeah it's yeah, nice. time to cash it in and he says if you find it that gold and that the gold is a metaphor for this radiant joy of being, this unshakable peace. And yeah, if we look inside and find it, we're, mm. we're set. So it's the uh, the end of suffering is enlightenment. Enlightenment. That's what Buddha, the Buddha says. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, the next uh, bit he sort of I liked drawing a bit similar to our um, untethered soul, where he talks about the untethered soul talked about that roommate, mm. and he says it's sort of you, and there's your voice inside your head that is always thinking always saying things so you need to do you sort of have to separate the two yeah yeah that's right so he says the, the philosopher Descartes gave expression to like this huge basic area that a lot of humans have and that is I think therefore I am mm. so that's equating thinking with being and identity with being which is wrong mm. according to the, the great the great man so the greatest obstacle to experiencing your life in this reality, it is the identification with the mind and yeah. and the ego, which is what we'll get into. And so, so yeah, you have to disidentify yourself, yeah? And I think he says that with you have to practice a stillness, a deep sort of sense of peace. And I think he says there's no end to the depth. It keeps getting deeper and deeper, but eventually you'll hit this joy arising from deep within you, which is the joy of being. Yeah. So identification with the mind, that means you might, with the mind, create a screen of concepts, labels, images, words, judgments, definitions, and it all blocks out your true relationship with the present moment. But at the same time, the mind is a superb instrument if used rightly, but if it's used wrongly, the mind can be extremely destructive. Mm. So if that's the case and you use it wrongly, you're not actually not using it all. The mind is using you and it it takes over. Mm. So this is the disease where you are your mind and this is an illusion and it's no longer an instrument. You're actually a slave to your mind. Yeah. He actually says that the, so the number one step um, from all of this is to learn to disidentify from your mind. That's the number one step on your journey toward enlightenment. Mm. Um, so yeah, pretty important step. I'm yeah. Saying. So there's a way out. So to watch, you got to watch the thinker. So mm. that's, that's, I guess, the actionable takeaway here is the moment you start watching the thinker, the higher, the higher level of consciousness becomes activated and you start becoming impartial to whatever the mind identifies itself with. Yeah, and the goal is not to stop thinking. He said when you become enlightened, you still think, but your thinking is much more focused and effective. It's used for practical purposes, 
um, not negative purposes. And you free yourself from that internal dialogue yep. that we've all, always got going on. Yeah. So, yeah, you listen to it impartially and you do not judge and then slowly the thought will lose its power. And then one day you might get to the point, like Eckhart is most likely at, where you'll catch yourself smiling to the voice inside your head like it's a little child. It's a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> is that what Eckhart said? No. Nah, mine's a little bitch. So... Yeah, and with that, 80, 90, 80 to 90% of most people's thinking is not only repetitive and useless, but it's uh, a huge cause of dysfunction and mm. is normally negative in nature. Mm. So on that, he talks about in this chapter at the start, the, the ego, which is seen as a negative thing, he says. The term ego means different things to many people, but for Eckhart, it means a false created sense of self, mm. and it's an unconscious identification with your mind. Yeah, nice. So, to the ego, the present moment hardly exists. Only the future and uh, past are uh-huh. important. So, the ego is always taking me out of the present moment because mm. you're projecting all this other shit in, inside. And that's where the that's the power of now. Yeah, you need to stop worrying about the past or the future and just focus on on the now. Yeah, he says that these like emotions are sort of. Uh, he says if you've ever got like a thought and an emotion or a body feeling conflicting, the thought is always wrong the wrong one that's wrong the feeling is the the true feeling yeah so the thoughts and the mind always causing problems he says yeah so the the mind tries to solve the problem of the emotions but can't and he says it's like the chief of police finding the arsonist when the chief of police is the arsonist <laughs> so <laughs> so the chief yep. of police okay. your mind yeah. is running around trying to solve these problems but the mind is actually the thing that's yeah. causing all these issues yeah yeah correct um he also talks a little bit about cravings it says that cravings is the mind seeking fulfillment from external things or from the future yeah. instead of just being satisfied with the joy of being mm. yep yeah. so yeah yeah if it, with that you're always on this relentless up and down cycle like taking drugs he says yeah i can cut oh man there's no doubt in my mind he's... he gets on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh shit or oh, used to maybe yeah he doesn't hurt now so mate so the next chapter was uh pain and yeah. he says there's two types of pain there's one pain that comes in the now which is this unconscious resistance to what is so rather you, yeah if you there's the objective what is and your pain is coming from resisting that um, unconsciously. Yeah, he says, what could be more futile, more insane than to create inner resistance to something that already is? So say yes to life and what is and see how life's only working for you rather than against you. So if it's mm. pissing down mm. rain outside, don't get upset it's raining. It's just, mm. it's just raining. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what Tony said when we went to Unleash the Power Within is, is think that life is happening for you, not to you, yeah? Yeah, spot on. Uh, the second type of pain, aside from this denial or resistance of what is is the pain from the past. So it's something that's happened in the past and we're carrying it with us. It's accumulated this negative energy that's sort of leftover residual of, um, of bad things that have happened in the past. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into the menstrual flow later. He talks a bit about <laughs> menstrual flow. Mate, I don't know how qualified we are for that. We'll <laughs> see how we go. Is Eckhart qualified? <laughs> Probably not. Mate, but basically, long story short, he says, most of our pain is self-created and unnecessary. Pain can only feel pain. It cannot feel joy. So mm. we need to dissolve our uh, our pain. Yeah. Phenomenal. Chapter three next goes into moving deeply into the now. Mm. So 
yeah, getting right in there. And this is when you when you were saying that the mind is trying to think. You said about the arsonist and the police chief mm-hmm. that the mind is trying to think of ways to cure the pain, but. He's saying that the problems of the mind cannot be solved on the level of the mind. And so that's a key understanding that you can't solve your thoughts by thinking. Mm. Yeah. So that's the ego coming in and, and fucking up your party. So yeah. the ego, <laughs> it feels vulnerable and threatened. So it lives in a state of fear and want. So the ego always wants something to attach itself to and uphold and strengthen the, the illusion itself. So whenever you've got a problem or something in your life, your ego will try and attach it and then create an identity out of it. Mm. And there is a lot of unconscious ego invested in pain and suffering. Yeah. Which is true. Because if you have an, oh, yeah. if something bad happens to you or a shit day, you, you almost feel inclined to just start telling people and mm. copping the sympathy and, and mm. making a big story out of it in yourself. Yeah, definitely. Mate, he says that the now is the most precious thing because the now is all there is. There's, forget about the past. Forget about the future. Nothing happens in the past or the future. It always happens in the now. Yeah. So things that happened in the past happened in the now at the time. And yeah. things that... It, Happen, will happen in the future are going to happen in the now mm. so, so yeah. he says that's all we ever have the rest it's just an illusion so the, mm. as you were saying the past it it's so obvious but you hardly ever really think that it, it never really exists all that we have is now kind mm. of. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so the great Zen master Rinzai who sounds sick <laughs> that's a cool name it is to get his students aware unless he would ask what in this moment is lacking so whenever you think there's something in your life lacking, you're not getting enough money or you, whatever, it's never. It's always projecting something from the future or the past. But if you ever mm. look just purely at just this moment, you're usually pretty fine. Mm. It's always pretty sweet. Yeah, and that's what uh, I think when Jack uh, messages recommending the book, he said that this was sort of the biggest. His biggest takeaway was always thinking about the future and thinking how things are going to be better in the future and always trying to improve himself and thinking that the future is going to be better. Yeah. And so the quote from Eckhart here, he says, a belief in the future creates a present hell. So if yep. you're always thinking about, oh, the future is going to be much better, then the present is is going to be hell. Yeah. Spot on. So he says there's a place for clock time. So it's, you know, you can use the, the future in the past. So for, you know, making an appointment or planning a trip or learning from the past uh, so we don't repeat mistakes or you know, setting goals to go for. But as soon as you set a goal, for example, and the present moment is a stepping stone toward that goal and then you skip the present moment, you turn into psychological time. Mm. And life is no longer an adventure. It's just an obsessive need to arrive, to Mm. attain it, to make it. And then in this obsessive pursuit of this goal and you're missing the present moment, you're no longer smelling the flowers by the wayside Mm. Or the aware of the beauty of the life around you. Mate, Eckhart would love sniffing flowers along the way. Mate. I reckon he would be so present yeah. in the now. Mate, there was this is without notice. I probably should have prepped you for this. This <laughs> this is something I feel was super important, but I didn't quite grasp. The difference between life and life situation. Mm. Can you do you have much on there or am I am I throwing you under the bus? Uh, it's a bit of a bus <laughs> it's a bit of a bus throw, mate, but I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing a life situation is something that happens to you, not yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we'll, we'll pro- I'll probably stuff this up. But I think you're saying that most people are concerned about their life situation, bad things that are happening to them at this point in time. Whereas the life, the the life situation is something you sort of built up in your mind. Whereas the life is just what is. The life is now. The life is real. Oh mate, that's spot on. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. That was, that was some, <laughs> some good shit. Next to me, man, chapter four, yep. mind strategies for avoiding the now. 
And this is, mate, this is phenomenal. This is one that's uh, resonated with me a lot. Actually, I might have skipped ahead a bit, but we'll, we'll come back. Yep. But he says, if your here and now is totally intolerable and you keep telling yourself and other people how bad your now is, he says you've only got three options. One, remove yourself from it. Two is... Fuck, <laughs> what's that mean? That's <laughs> 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 not telling you. <laughs> don't sound right. I don't know, shit. What's he I didn't think that. Uh, two is to change, change it, change something about it. And three is to accept it totally. They're your only three choices. Remove it, change it, or accept it. Cool. So the best indicator of your level of consciousness is how you deal with life's challenges when they come up. So if a challenge comes in and something bad happens, you can use this challenge to awaken you, or you can go the other way and it can pull you into a deeper sleep. Mm. Man, I like... Yeah. And I like this bit here where he talks about this freedom from, from unhappiness. Where he says, yeah, so either stop what you're doing or speak to the person concerned and express fully how you feel or drop the negativity that your mind's built up around whatever's happening. Yep. So your mind's build, building up this negativity, telling you, telling other people, and it's serving no purpose except for just to strengthen this falsity. Yeah. Mate, so a few things we do to avoid the now, complaining. Mm. So whenever you complain about your life situation, you are resisting what is. Leave the situation as it is, like the weather, all else is madness. Mm. Yeah, should check. Another one, waiting. So this is a this is a really big takeaway, I think. So whenever mm. you're waiting or you find yourself sitting there and you're pulling out your iPhone or whatever, snap out of it. Come into the present moment and just sit there and enjoy. Just you know, just yeah. You might just close your eyes or you might just look at a flower or something. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're present, if you're always present, then there's really never any need to wait for anything. And he actually says here as well, if someone comes up to you, say you've got a meeting and someone's late and, he, and they say, "Oh, sorry for keeping you waiting," he says. No, no, I wasn't waiting. I was just enjoying myself. I was just in, enjoy in myself. Mate, that would be... <laughs> would you say? <laughs> how would people how react? I don't know. I wasn't waiting. I was just sitting in bliss, enjoying myself. Yeah. I mean, people sitting Mate, in the wacko house. I it think. sounds good and then... <laughs> I don't know in reality. It sounds good in a book. <laughs> but, yeah. Eckhart would say it, no doubt. Yeah. But that's Eckhart. Cool. Yeah, sick. Mate, there was, a, there was a bunch of things that we... So, we'll probably skip towards chapter 10. There's obviously five through nine, but there was a few things I wanted to pick out. Yeah. Mate, one funny thing was... Uh, how we talked about how Zen masters test their students and test how present they are. Mm. So they said they, so they're sitting there meditating. The Zen master will sneak up behind him with a big stick and try and whack him with the <laughs> stick. And so he says, if they whack you with a stick, it meant your mind was caught up in some thought that it shouldn't have been. Mm. Whereas if you're fully present. And in the now, then you're going to sense that the guy's there and you're going to stop him. Yeah, and then probably him smack him back in the face, <laughs> knock him out. Got you, mate. Hey, how would that be? Who's, who's, present? who's present now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Another one, just quickly on, he, he goes in pretty deep on relationships, which I did, mm. I really liked. So sometimes if you're just by yourself and you're single, a relationship might seem like the answer to all of the ego's problems. So you can derive your, your sense of self from that person Mm. And the now becomes relatively insignificant, and you're no longer a segmented fragment, and your world has a sensory outside of you. But you know this is not a permanent feeling. The ego ego will pop up again. Mm. Mm. So he says that every uh, crisis represents not only danger but also an opportunity, and he sort of applies that to relationships and to other things. Mate, like he that. also talks about menstrual flow. <laughs> <laughs> we, we touched on that earlier. Yeah, okay. Mate, he said women are um, closer to enlightenment than men. And because it's sort of, basically, we talked about that pain of the past, building up this residual pain, whereas women have this physical release of the pain body where it dissolves. And he says that, like, women are closer to enlightenment than man because they have this regular release of this uh, 
pain and negativity. But he also says that women have built up, not just individually, but all women throughout history have like built up this collective female pain because because of men, because of male subjugation, slavery, exploitation, rape, childbirth, child loss. Mm. Um, but yeah, mate, I think but basically the menstrual flow is a good way to release the pain. Yeah. Is that what he's saying? He's saying something like that. <laughs> yeah, qualified Eckhart or, or we are, so moving on. <laughs> man, there was one bit I, I liked as well from... Chapter 9? Yeah, from Chapter 9. He talks about the difference between happiness and inner peace and about positive or negative. He says when situations arise, there's no real way for you to judge if it's positive or negative. You'd never really know if it's positive or negative. Mm. Um, and it reminds me of a, uh, a parable, not from the book, but very related to the book, I'll say, that Derek Sivers says it's his favorite story. Um, and it's basically about a, a Chinese farmer whose horse runs away. And his neighbor says, oh, man, I'm sorry your horse ran away. And the, the farmer says, no, it might be good, it might be bad, we'll just wait and see. And then when the horse comes back and he brings a whole flock of wild horses with him, so now he's got 40 horses, and the farm, the neighbor says, oh, that's awesome. And he says, oh, it might be good, it might be bad, we'll wait and see. And then his son's riding one of the wild horses, falls off and breaks his leg. And the, far, the neighbor says, oh, mate, sorry to hear that your son broke his leg. He said, oh, it's okay, it might be good, it might be bad, we'll wait and see. And then there's a war breaks out and the Chinese army recruits all the fit young men, but the son survives because he's got a broken leg. And so the neighbor says, uh, that's really good that your son didn't make it, didn't have to go and fight in war. And the farmer says, it might be good, it might be bad. We'll wait and see. Mm. Mm. Fucking bang. <laughs> what do you Love it. Sounds like a, yeah, a Zen master. Which yeah. Eckhart. <laughs> that's a good story. Um, so Eckhart also says in chapter nine, Beyond Unhappiness, There is Peace, I have lived with several Zen masters, all of them cats. <laughs> And also geese, he says, also ducks. So how easily they float at ease with themselves, dignified and perfect as a mindless creature can be. Ducks will sometimes get in a mindless fight and then they just forget about it three seconds later. Yeah, mate. So Eckhart said he used to meditate by just watching ducks swimming in a lake. Yeah. And he said he'll say, like, the ducks are just calmly swimming there, present in the now. If, like, two ducks cross paths, they might have a fight for three seconds, but then they'll turn away. They'll, like, flap their wings for three seconds to release all the negative energies. So the negative energy isn't circulating through them and they just go about their presence yeah. of now again. Hey, also in this <laughs> chapter, he says, one of the most spiritual practices is to meditate deeply on the mortality of all physical forms. <laughs> Mate, it's popped up in a couple of books. Have yeah. you uh, tried it? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, just, so, just quickly, uh, in, during the week, I did a meditation using Insight Timer app and at the start he goes, oh yeah, you should only meditate if you've got 30 years experience and you've been in monasteries forever. And I'm very, I'm This is like a top level Top meditation. level hardcore meditation <laughs> and I'm an absolute novice. Anyway, the meditation was on the impermanence of life and it went from, at the start, seeing your dead body <laughs> in the jungle and then 10 phases and each phase was your body rotting to a seagull of... Or uh, vultures coming and taking your organs and then maggots in your body. <laughs> Mate, it scarred me. <laughs> I should have left Mate, to you his or not? Nah. After that? Mate, it was too, it was too beyond. It's too much. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you're there, I recommend it because it's fucking powerful. Like, anyway. <laughs> Wild shit. Oh, man, that's funny. Wild source. Just quickly on chapter 10, man, the meaning yep. of surrender. Yeah, so this is the final chapter. So surrender is the simple, profound wisdom of yielding rather than... Uh, opposing the flow of life. Basically, he's just saying take take responsibility. Yeah, is that yeah. sort of what, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just 
yeah, accepting what is. Yeah. But at the same time, if you get yourself your face stuck in the mud, you don't just sit there and lie there and mm. you say, "Oh, I'm stuck in the I'm mud." I'm stuck in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> you get up, you get out, and uh, you don't ex- <laughs> don't have to accept that. So, become an al- alchemist, transmute base metal into gold, suffering into consciousness, and disaster mm. into enlightenment. And that's what he's saying. I think he's saying that if you're fully conscious, you're fully in the now. You realize when negativity arises, like your face getting stuck in the mud, but then you've got the it's sort of the choice that so you're not going to choose to stay stuck in there. If you're fully conscious and recognize it, that's when you choose to get yourself out of the mud. Mm. Yeah. I reckon that's... Uh, it's, about, it's about it, eh? Oh, mate, the, the very last thing of the book, he says... Um, so, so the whole book we should have said is like written with... Like he'll say a question and then answer it. So the very last question, how will I know when I've surrendered... And the answer is when you no longer need to ask the question. Ooh. So if you're asking it, if you've surrendered, you, you haven't surrendered. Man, I haven't asked that question before. <laughs> oh, so mate, you've, you've always been surrendered. <laughs> or maybe you're so unconscious that you didn't even know that you had to surrender. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's more likely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. All right. Now, now, now. Now? Now, now, now. And Carl was depressed on his bed One day he was gonna kill himself And then he did and he just fell back And the light came through on himself And then he started watching ducks on the lake He bought a cat The cat was a Zen master The cat taught him to just sit in the present The future or the past ain't never gonna arrive now Eckhart told Eckhart Tolle, I don't know how to say his name The power of now, just be present in the now Eckhart, teach me how you live in the now Be my teacher, Eckhart, be my teacher, Eckhart Nobody knows what's good or bad Just ask a Chinese farmer, he'll tell you to wait and see The ego is your enemy, the ego ain't gonna do shit for you Ain't doing shit for you now Your mind's a little bitch, don't listen to what it says Women are more spiritual because they have periods. The menstrual flow. Release the pain. Release the pain and then never complain. If you're sitting in line, just sit there and wait in the present. In the present. If someone says to you, I'm sorry for keeping you waiting, then say to them, I wasn't waiting, I was just uh, enjoying myself. In the now. In the now. Turning suffering into consciousness and disaster into, into enlightenment.